When it comes to choosing lures, the attribute I think most highly of has got to be versatility. And we're going to talk about one of the most versatile baits of all in this episode of Fishful Thinker, the podcast. I'm Chad Lachance, and you're listening to Fishful Thinker, the podcast. All things fishful, all the time. Hey guys, Chad Lachance here. Thanks again for tuning in to this episode of Fishful Thinker, the podcast. Of course, brought to us uh, once again by the folks at Sportsman's Warehouse. Has been from day one and probably always will be. Check out the Sportsman's Warehouse in your neighborhood. 132 stores and counting at sportsmans.com. Appreciate you tuning in, guys, because we've got a pretty significant podcast here for you when it comes to versatility. And if you're a regular fan of Fishful Thinker, first of all, thank you. Second of all, no, we're not going to talk about a gulp minnow. Now, a lot of you are going to be like, why not? Why not? That's the most versatile of it all. And it is. I do honestly believe it is. But that doesn't mean it's the only uh, versatile bait out there. By a large margin, there are others uh, that are very, very versatile. And some of them can be fished very similarly to the gold minnow in the first place. Uh, And we're going to talk about one of those. But the thing to keep in mind when it comes to versatility for me is it's got to be able to be fished at a high level of versatility. I mean, I'm not talking about a bait that a lot of different fish will bite. That's almost any lure out there. What What to me makes it versatile, to make a lure really versatile, it needs to be able to be fished vertically or horizontally, and that's a big, a big deal right there because the vertical aspect isn't something that a lot of people think about. It's not something that um, is talked about even a whole bunch, is fishing vertical versus horizontal. But in my opinion, that's the most important thing that an angler can, can choose on any given day if you're fishing from a boat or you're fishing from a float tube or kayak, something like that or if you're fishing on the ice. If you're fishing from the bank, you're pretty much limited to fishing horizontally because you cast out and reel in. It's relatively difficult to fish vertically. But if you've got a boat scenario and you can fish underneath your boat vertically straight up and down, well, that's, that's a great way to catch a lot of fish. Same thing with through the ice. In fact, there's a stat that I got from Colorado Parks and Wildlife that based on their research, more fish are caught per angling hour through the ice than they are than they are in open water, and I suspect that that's for a couple of reasons. One of them being the fact that everybody's fishing vertical on ice, and therefore you have good depth control and lure presentation skills. For one, for two, I feel like that some of the most hardcore anglers are ice guys. So the soft guys, the 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 guys that are you know fishing once or twice a year, aren't fishing as much on ice if they're fishing at all, and therefore catch rates go go up uh, considering the, the skill of the average angler. But at any rate, let's not digress. Vertical versus horizontal is a key thing. Obviously, to fish vertical, a bait needs to be sink, uh, needs to sink. So that should give you some clue about this bait. It's got to sink. If it floated, we couldn't fish it vertically. The next thing about it is it needs to be able to be bit barely moving and or not moving at all. And that's another key thing about the lure I'm going to mention right here. And if you're guessing, then good on you. Keep guessing. I'm almost there. Uh, another thing that has to be in my mind for versatility is, and I kind of alluded to it, it has to be multi-species. In the, but when I say multi-species, I don't mean it needs to catch largemouth, smallmouth, and spotted bass. I mean it needs to catch bass and crappies and bluegills, and also need to catch snook and bonefish and sea trout and you know everything else in between. It needs to be able to be fished for lakers 100 feet deep or you know brook trout in eight inches of water in a shallow mountain creek so 
versatility at a high level is what I'm talking about to, to cut to the chase here. And the lure that I'm talking about is basically a sub-genre of lures. And I say the most versatile bait of all is a jig, and I'm going to stick to that. But amongst jigs, there's a bunch of different kinds. And what I'm referencing specifically in this podcast is the tube jig. And a tube jig is was invented as a smallmouth bass lure, uh, but it is far exceeds that parameter at this point in the history of the tube jig. So let's go through a couple of key scenarios with the tube jig that I really like. Um, and also I want to mention that we fish them a lot. So scenarios I like being a fishing guide, first of all, is it's got to be one of the best smallmouth bass lures ever invented, period, end of discussion, of any genre or anything, whatever. Smallmouth bass love tube jigs, but so do walleyes and more than people realize. And a snap jig, tube jig, in other words, it's a tube jig that you're snapping up and down, and we'll get into some details here on that, is a fantastic way to catch uh, walleyes. Also, you need to be able to catch, uh, like I said, everything from big fish to little fish, which means it needs to be available in a lot of sizes. Tube jigs are available from little tiny, like three quarter inch long ice size tube jigs, all the way up to you know 10 inch tubes made for catching lake trout and groupers off reefs. Uh, and so the size thing is, is wide there. Uh, the amount of weight you put in it is dictated by the jig head, which means it can literally be anywhere. You can fish them anywhere from weightless to as much weight as you can stuff inside of it, which is a lot considering the size of some of the tube jigs. So I can affect the fall rate very easily by changing the size of weight I put in there. I could put big hooks or little hooks in them. Uh, you know, you can fish them in a lot of different ways when we're talking about the versatility. So again, let's go through some specific scenarios, uh, tube jigs or specific fish and how I consider a tube jig uh, possibility for them. One, the obvious one I started to go into was the smallmouth bass. Again, that's what the bait was invented for. Uh, There is no wrong way to fish a tube jig for smallmouth bass, and I literally mean that in the purest sense of no wrong way. You can drag it on the bottom. I can snap it up and down aggressively. I can swim it through the water column on an even retrieve, and it will hunt itself back and forth. I can hold it steady, straight up, right up off the bottom, and just basically let it hang there and they'll bite it. Uh, Or set it on the bottom and just barely work it up and down and they'll bite it. When it comes to smallmouth bass, there's no wrong way to do it. As a general rule, I prefer them in browns, greens, or blacks, but that's just a general rule. Uh, For smallmouth bass, I might throw them in a chartreuse color around the spawn. I might throw them in pure white at times around the spawn, particularly. And again, it's so that I can see the bait in that scenario, not so the fish can. Uh, I might throw them in a range of colors, but at the end of the day, my most popular ones and the ones I'm going to guide with most of the time are going to be black, brown, or green when it comes to smallmouth bass tube jigs. Same thing for walleyes. More often than not, it's going to be one of those colors, uh, but it might be a chartreuse or a pearl white type color. when it comes to smallmouth, I tend to fish them on jig heads between about a sixteenth and a quarter ounce. Occasionally, I will step up to a half ounce, and when I'm doing that, it's because I want to aggressively snap the jig up and down. I'm going to snap it very, very hard up off the bottom, 
with a really crisp, stiff rod and a braided line scenario, snap the bait up and let it head back for the bottom. I might do that with a heavier jig head, particularly if I'm doing it in deeper water because I want the bait to sink at a high rate of speed. And that's not so it'll get back there quicker. It's so that that speed doesn't give the fish a chance to think about it. He's just got to grab it on the drop real quick. And you'd be surprised how good that works. Uh, when it comes to smallmouth bass, still sticking with that, I prefer the tube jig to be somewhere between two and a half and three and a half inches long. I don't generally go up to the four inch jigs or any smaller than a two and a half. Uh, and most commonly, I'm just going to use a max scent, a power bait max scent tube or a power tube. Those are the two tubes I throw the most, and I will throw either of those most commonly in a two and a half inch for smallmouth bass. So that's, uh, that's kind of my scenario there. Um, the other thing I might do for smallmouth with tube jigs, which isn't something I do a lot of, but we do it occasionally. And when I do, it's because my fish are seeing a lot of stuff and they're hard to catch. And typically that's going to happen when there's a bunch of tournaments going on in my home lake or we're getting ready for a, for a, a big weekend. There's a lot of guys out there. Fish are getting beat up a lot. In that scenario, I'll take my tube jig in some cases and put it on a split shot rig. So I've got a split shot or a mojo sinker up the line ahead of it. Uh, somewhere between about six inches and two feet. And then I've got my tube jig Texas rigged on the back. And then I will just drag that thing around. That way there's no weight in the, in the tube itself. And it behaves quite a bit differently in that scenario. Uh, so, and, and it just it will get bites when a lot of people are fishing tube jigs. And I'll do one of two things. I'll either fish the gold minnow or I'll fish the tube jig with a different rig uh, when it comes to that. And I guess in that scenario, it's really just a tube, not a tube jig. But same idea, you get the point. It's the same soft plastic bait. Now, I mentioned Texas rigs. Another very common way for me to throw a tube jig is for largemouth bass is on a Texas rig. And that typically is going to be a three and a half to five inch tube at that point. Uh, I, in, that, in that case, I really like a four to five inch tube a lot. Um, I will Texas rig it with a sliding sinker ahead of it. In some cases, I'll peg that sinker if there's heavy cover uh, that I'm worried about. If it's just slime cover or something like that, then I don't, then I won't peg the sinker. I like the idea of the tube jig chasing the sinker as it sinks. So in other words, a little bit of separation between the sinker and the tube jig, and uh, I will typically use a colored sinker in that scenario and let the tube jig appear as though it's chasing the sinker. But a Texas rig tube for me pitched around cover is a fantastic uh, largemouth bass bait. Uh, works really, really good in that, in that realm as well. When I Texas rig them, I tend to use an EWG hook. It gets my, keeps the tube nice and straight, EWG being the extra wide gap. Uh, as opposed to just a straight shank worm hook or something like that, because again, the tube sits nice and straight. Another thing that adds to the versatility of the tube jig um, when it comes to Texas rigging is uh, throwing it around like heavy bushes and things for either walleyes that are in, uh, up in flooded cottonwoods, very scenario, common scenario there, or another one being snook up around mangroves. And you can Texas rig it and then pitch it up around mangroves. That way, mangroves being a, a shoreline tree, if you're not familiar, I guess if you're not familiar with mangroves, you're probably not going snook fishing, so that might have been a dumb comment. But uh, snook fishing around the mangroves can be very snaggy, and Texas rigging a bait can be a good choice to, to do that. And I would do that just like I was largemouth bass fishing in the, in the wood cover. And therefore, I can Texas rig a tube, and it'll get you the same bites from snook as it'll get you from largemouth bass. And um, and just trust me on one point, uh, heavy fluorocarbon leader in that regard, uh, anywhere between about 30 and 80 pound. 
uh, and big hook sets and keep them coming. Because if you hook snook back in the mangroves like you do largemouth, you need to get them jerked out of there in a hurry or you're going to be all kinds of wrapped up. But let's not digress. Another really good scenario for tube jigs that I like is uh, lake trout. And lake trout and tube jigs are very, very famous. A lot of people like to tip their tube with a sucker meat or something like that. That's great. Knock yourself out. I don't do it. Um, that's just me. I don't like bait. So the tube jig for for um, lake trout for me is going to be somewhere between about four and eight or nine inches long. Uh, there's several different companies that make them in the six or seven inch range and fa fantastic tube for lake trout. In that case, I'm usually going to have somewhere between about three quarters of an ounce and maybe an ounce and a half of, of lead on a long shank jig. Uh, inside that tube, and I'm going to drop it to the bottom, and I'm barely going to move it. Uh, I'm going to pick it up and set it back down in place right there. I'm talking about picking it up an inch or two off the bottom and set it right back down, just a, a lift and drop with a bunch of weight in it. And every time it hits the bottom, it puffs a little bit of mud, just enough to look alive, and then wait for the Lakers to bite it. Uh, that's a braided line thing for sure. Going to be done with uh, maybe 15 to 20 pound, maybe 30 pound braided line and a long fluorocarbon leader and then the jig at the bottom. Uh, but a tube jig for lake trout is really good call. And that scenario color might be all over the board. I've done okay on white. I've done okay on black. I've done great on green pumpkin. Uh, I've done okay on pure pink, which I was turned on to by another guy. Uh, so it really just depends on your comfort level and the color of the water and things like that. Keep in mind the Lakers in a lot of cases are going to be 30 to 130 feet deep. I'm not sure how color works out in that scenario for fish, but, uh, but in general, as a general rule, I probably go darker there than lighter more often than not. Um, I will throw tube jigs for smaller Lakers as well. Um, juvenile Lakers, like eater size Lakers in uh, say 15 to 22 inch range, 20 inch range. Uh, in that case, I'll throw a more standard size one like I would for smallmouth, maybe a three inch power tube with a quarter ounce jig head. Great call uh, as far as that goes. But lake trout, really good call uh, for the tube jig. And since we're talking trout, I would be seriously remiss if we didn't talk about uh, rainbow trout, brown trout, brook trout, uh, any member of the trout family. Tube jigs and trout go together fantastic. And I think more than, than most people even realize. And I know some really hardcore trout guys that don't throw tube jigs, and I always, I always question that. And at the end of the day, a, a two and a half inch tube to a three and a half inch tube is a really good way to catch all kinds of trout. And we're, one of my favorites is around some of the prairie pothole style lakes or the pothole style, maybe not prairie, I guess that's a South Dakota thing, but the lakes you find in like North Park, Colorado, South Park, Colorado, Laramie, Wyoming area, they're shallow, flat, weedy lakes and let the tube sink into the weeds and then snatching it out of the weeds just like a good bass fisherman would do with hydrilla. Uh, same scenario works very, very well for catching trout. And this time of year, I'm recording this in November, uh, if you want to catch some of the biggest cut bows you've ever seen or, or rainbows, go fish where the brown trout have been spawning and drag a tube jig around and you will see some big uh, cut bows and rainbows that are up there taking advantage of the brown trout where they spawned. Uh, surprisingly enough, the, you can return that same favor in spring and catch browns on the same tube jig in the areas that the rainbows are spawning. So the tube, the tube for trout is, is just 
very, very fundamental thing. In the river, I love tube jigs. I tend to throw them 45 degrees upstream and do just enough lift on them to get the current to push them down, down current, and just keep working them down current at a 45 degree angle. Very good scenario, uh, great way to catch trout. Um, in standing water, I tend to make long throws, get them away from the boat. Um, because trout tend to live in very clear water environments, and that's really not a lot different than the river. I like to keep the bait away from me, and one of the things about a tube jig is it, the way the bait's designed with the carrying weight the front of it is you pick it up, it never acts the same way twice. It doesn't come straight towards you necessarily. It moves off from one side to another, and in, in running water, that's especially good. So uh, Running the tube jig for trout in, in running water or still water is fantastic. Now, I also want to point out that we're talking November here in Colorado, and everything's starting to freeze up. In fact, it's, what, 15 degrees out today. Boo. Uh, we're getting ice. And tube jigs and ice fishing go together fantastic. And, and I think it has a lot to do with the line tie being on top of the jig. And there's a really good trick that goes with it that I'll, that I'll tell you here in a minute for that. But we'll get back to that. But Ice fishing with the tube jig uh, is a really good call as well for trout <clears throat> and really any other species you're catching through the ice, including the lake trout uh, that we were just talking about a minute ago. So the tube jig's a really good call in that environment. Uh, flats fishing environment, and this is an area that it's really not fished very much. And in the grand scheme of things, I'm not sure I understand why that is, but flats fishing for redfish or sea trout, great bait of tube jig fish for the same reasons it is everything else. It just generally looks more or less alive for one, and for two, I can get it. I can fish it around the heavy vegetation of the turtle grass, things like that. Um, I can Texas rig it and get it to slide right through that grass really cleanly, which is an excellent, excellent way to fish it. Uh, so if you've got really good, lush turtle grass, take your tube jig and Texas rig it, like I was talking about, with maybe an eight-ounce bullet weight ahead of it and just drag it around on the, in the, on the flats. You'll be shocked at how many fish will bite that thing. Interestingly enough, even bonefish love tube jigs. A little, a little white tube jig thrown in front of bonefish, great way to catch bonefish. And crystal clear water, and I use a white or a translucent colored tube jig for that, and it works very, very well, exceedingly well in four to you know eight inches of water, a foot of water, you know, some really shallow stuff. And the tube jig works really good in that regard too. So another area where you can expand the versatility of it uh, can be really good. Now, let's talk about a couple different rigging options for the tube jig, which I've already alluded to a little bit, but there's one key one that I wanna talk about, and particularly for guys that are fishing it vertically. And that is, don't put the jig head all the way forward inside the tube. So when you go to put, if I'm gonna fish vertically, if I, when I go to put that tube, the jig itself inside the tube, instead of putting it all the way forward into the tube as far as it'll go and then pinching the eye of the hook out, put it maybe two thirds of the way, maybe leaving a quarter of an inch in front of the, of the lead head inside the tube and then squeeze the eye out the top of the, of the tube. What you'll end up with is a tube jig with an air pocket at the very front of it and it will spiral a lot farther on the drop. The diameter of its spiral when you drop that bait will be increased a lot, a lot, like, like 50 to 100% if you don't put the sinker or the lead head all the way inside the tube. Just put it part of the way in. If you do that and try to fish it horizontally back to the boat, you're going to end up with serious line twist problems. 
So don't yell at me about that. You either need to swivel ahead of it or you need to go ahead and put the sinker all the way in, put the lead head all the way in the, the tube if you're going to fish it horizontally. But if you're going to fish it vertically, putting the lead part of the way in, and then when you snap that bait up, it's going to run off to one side or the other for starters just when you lift it. And then when you slack it back out, it's going to spiral big time off to one side or the other. And I mean big time off to one side or the other, like three feet. And that's going to give you a big gliding fall. And that gliding fall is magical for getting bites from a lot of different fish. And I did it through the ice one time and was watching trout. And the water was real clear. I was watching the trout underneath the, the hole, underneath the ice and the hole. The ice was clear. It's like three inches thick and crystal clear. And I hate that. I am not a fan of ice fishing, to be honest with you. I don't like being on the ice. I grew up in South Florida. First time I ever went ice fishing, I fell through the ice and it ruined the whole experience for me. So uh never been a giant fan of being on clear ice. Well, I was out on crystal clear ice. I'm in shallow water. I'm working this tube. I've got the, the, the lead head way back in the back of the tube instead of jammed all the way up in there. So I get a big giant spiral. And the reason being is I was in shallow water. I'm staying in shallow water because if I fell through the ice, I could touch the bottom. So it was only like four feet deep. The trout would come in and follow that thing. When it was spiraling, again, it only had like four feet total to drop they would swim a full 360 circle following that thing to the bottom. Uh, and so if, if it's mesmerizing enough to get them in shallow water with you sitting right above them to spire, to follow it down, that should give you some idea right there. And I had several trout over the course of an hour's time that, that made a full 360 circle following that tube before they got a hold of it. So that should tell you something right there about the power of the spiral drop. They really like that spiral. So not running the, the, the sinker all the way to the front will help you a lot. Another thing that can help you with the tube jig if you're getting really light biters is to take a treble hook. And so basically, long story short, take your line and poke it through the front of the tube, okay? Then out the back of the tube, obviously, where it's hollow end of it, and then slide it through a sinker and then put tie it to a small treble hook and then pull that treble up to the back of the tube, separate the tentacles evenly around it. Now I have a treble hook that is holding my tube, my sinker still internally, and I've got a tube jig that if a fish picks it up off the bottom at all, you got a really good shot at getting them. You're not going to miss very many hook sets with that. It is not going to spiral the same. Understand that. A Texas rig tube of any sort, whether the sinker's inside of it or outside of it, will not spiral on the drop like it will on a jig head. However, you're taking the same tube and you are making it very, very hard for fish to pick up and not get a clean bite on. So that can be really important if you're getting nippy fish or if you're fishing around bed fishing scenarios, which a lot of guys uh, are advocates of. Not, not a big fan of it myself. Not opposed to it ethically. I just don't feel like that it's quite as rewarding as catching fish other ways. And, uh, but I will tell you this, I've seen fish that can be very tricky to catch off beds. And having that tube jig with the uh, bullet weight on the inside of it and then the uh, treble hook on the back makes it a lot easier to get those fish uh, pinned if they nip the bait, pick it up, try to put it somewhere else. So that can be a good trick to it as well. Another good trick for tube jigs can be to dip the tentacles different colors. Uh, that can be excellent for mixing and matching your colors. So a little uh, chartreuse dip or something like that can be really good. And along those same lines, uh, is snipping off like every other or every third one of the little tentacles on the back of it, which will make it a lot more sparse. 
<clears throat> it'll, it'll add more visible action to the bait. Um, I don't guess it actually in the real world adds more action, but it appears as though the bait moves more. Uh, so doing that, or even just staggering the, the look of the uh, length of the tentacles. So leave some of them full length, cut some of them maybe by a third, and then cut some of them by two-thirds. And so you've basically layered the look of the skirt uh, like you would on a high-quality spinnerbait or the legs on a, on a high-quality rubber frog. You might layer those, same kind of thing with a tube jig. That can be a really good call for you as well. And then the other thing I'll throw out with them is... You can do a lot of other stuff with them. You can just straight nose hook them and put them on a drop shot, which works surprisingly well. Uh, the, along the same lines is you can use a tube for your weight on the bottom of your drop shot. So in other words, rig a standard tube jig with whatever weight you were going to put on your drop shot. So let's say I need a quarter ounce in my drop shot. Well, that's fine. Then I'll put a quarter ounce tube jig on the bottom and you know quarter ounce lead head in a tube put that on the bottom and now I've got two lures so now I've got my regular drop shot hook up above it and whatever little worm or gulp minnow or whatever like that you want to put on there then fantastic but now I've got two baits and you can fish them the same so that because there's really no wrong way to fish a tube you can drag it on the bottom or you can pick it up or you can just leave it in one spot and shake it well, then it works great from the, for the bottom of a um, uh, drop shot situation. So that's another scenario that the tube jig works well, and you can do a lot of stuff. Uh, last thing I'll throw out there is for a dabbing scenario. Uh, dabbing meaning uh, like for crappies being a classic example of that works very, very well. Again, because the bait works well in a vertical application, get it to hang horizontally with a little tiny weight. It's crappie fishing, so a white or chartreuse is going to get you in the ballpark a lot of the time. And, uh, and that will work very, very well um, for you is to use, you know, something like that and then dab it, maybe a one inch long to two inch long tube jig with a lightweight in it and dab it to where it's, you're literally dropping it straight down and then holding it still under the end of a rod, not doing anything with it. Great way to get crappies and things like that to bite. If you're getting them to come up and look at it, but they're not getting a hold of it, you hold it right above them and they're looking at it, looking at it, looking at it, and they won't get a hold, just hold it, hold it, hold it, and then just drop the bait straight down about two inches instantaneously. You can get them to pick them up really quickly. Tubes work exceedingly well for that, better than almost any other bait. So, Tube jigs, guys, don't discount the versatility of a tube jig. It's the most important feature in a lure for me is versatility for a variety of applications. It doesn't get in my boat unless I can do a lot of different things with it. Uh, I feel that way about any lure in my boat. And tube jig, therefore, takes up a bunch of space in the boat because I have a bunch of different sizes, a few different colors, and several different hooks, including uh, different weights and different hook sizes to rig them with. So... Uh, we appreciate you guys very much tuning into this podcast, and I'm hoping you'll subscribe while you're here, wherever you're listening to it. <clears throat> I would appreciate that very much. Also, check out our social media at Fishful Thinker on Facebook, Instagram, or, or of course, our YouTube channel, which you may be listening to this podcast on. Please give us a subscribe and a like there if you would. We'd appreciate that very much, and uh, otherwise, we hope you'll tune in and see what we've got going on Altitude Sports and Entertainment and, of course, World Fishing Network. So thanks for listening. This has been Fishful Thinker, the podcast.